Episode 82 is Blathering Live. I'm Kat Napsack, and we are live on Facebook. We're live on Twitch, live on YouTube, the home for live. Everyone's live. Uh, how are you? Uh, you might be listening later on the podcast, uh, and I still put these up. Uh, also, shout out to Jared, first one in chat, saying hello to their future Kat. Well, the future is now, Jared. We're here, and we're living large. I want to uh, address something up top. Uh, to, to the podcast listeners. I feel as though I have to apologize to you. I feel as though I'm letting you down. Not that I'm stopping these episodes or have not had just an absolute blast uh, hanging out with all of you here live. We try to do this every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific. But I was playing around with some of my analytics on the podcast side. You know, I've been trying to switch uh, hosting sites for a while, trying to uh, get onto um, a network, working on that. Not not super happy with Spotify for podcasters, what was formerly Anchor. But I was looking at analytics. <sighs> Man, I let you down. The retention time, and I don't spend a lot of time in analytics. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an old school baseball guy who likes new school stats. But at the end of the day, get on the field and play ball. You know what I mean? Let's figure it out. But I was looking at uh, the, the retention for the podcast, the audio versions of the live streams, it drops off like some kind of turn of a century stuntman in a barrel taking a dare to go over Niagara Falls. It is not like 30 minutes and everyone's out. We're talking this episode starts and you're like, click it out. Get out of here. Get out of here. We're done. So I feel as though I should apologize. I know the podcast feed has been limping along for the last few months. We've got great programming on there with our biggest win once a month with Robbie Smith. And if you want to see a bonus content around those that show, uh, make sure you're a Patreon supporter. Uh, we got that. I stopped doing Saturday Night Naps like a long time ago. Uh, so, you know, we could bring back some of the classics maybe, but I just like doing it all here right now. But I, I don't, I, this isn't a you failed me. I feel as though I failed you. And to those on the podcast right now, just stick around. Five minutes, ten minutes. We get to things here. This is this is not just a YouTube Q and A where I don't have anything to talk about. We got we get, we get to good things here. The questions are great. The questions from the live audience are great, and I uh, enjoy all of you here hanging out. But if if you're on the audio feed, apologize. I'm working on it. Okay. I just wanted to get that off the chest to start the show tonight. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of fun doing this. And uh, the reason it's fun is the great people who hang out here with me. Uh, Alan Smithy is here. I had the whole box of Girl Scout cookies. I, I was, yeah, okay. I love Thin Mints. And I, I'm not here to, uh, I'm not here to get a, a, you know, into a debate about which Girl Scout cookies are the best. I, I don't, it's a moot point to me. What are, you, what are we arguing about, you know? You get what you like. And it, I like Thin Mints, and if you like, you know, Samoas or whatever, they're, they're changed their name in some regions, uh, you know, I got it. Uh, what Peanut butter, who, you know, peanut butter firework cookies or whatever the hell you want to call it. My improv skills are a little slow today, sorry. Great. Get the peanut butter buttercup cookies. I, I'll have the Thin Mints, and we're not going to fight over it. Tagalongs. Big Lou loves Tagalongs. Big Lou's here. Jared's here, as I said. The Real McCoy's there. Adam Knight is here. 
Adam Knight says, uh, here for a bit with my daughter's ice cream because I'm battling sore throat and bleep it, ice cream it is. I I know, God, I know what you're feeling, man. Adam, uh, this, uh, title, this title of this episode is You Ate the Whole Thing and or You Ate the Entire Thing, whatever. Uh, and um, it has to do with some food choices I've made recently and food choices I've made my entire life. I'm not out of it. I'm not as depressed as I was five weeks ago when I started doing this live stream. Things have improved. I'm excited about some things on the horizon. I'm still limping along. We're still scrambling and surviving, but uh, the mood is good. But overall, I think there's just, aren't we all kind of dealing with a malaise, a depression, a fear, a stress? And I've been eating like crap lately, he says as he looks to his empty tumbler and, and he's about to fill it with some dragonberry rum. Um, Aaron, Aaron says Tagalogs for the win. No, I want you guys to have, you guys get these wins in. These are the wins for you. Big Lou says, I've lost 30 pounds since January. Still got a long way to go. We, we, you know what? We need to follow Big Lou on this journey. I, last Friday, last Friday morning, we had, um, we had a great opportunity that I'm thankful we had, uh, great opportunity to go, um, on a, a, a local radio show here, a big one in Los Angeles. And when I say we, the Moonagers. And I was blessed. This opportunity uh, we I'd asked for. I've been trying to get, get it up there. And um, we did. And it was a segment on their show. Then which new up-and-coming bands or unsigned bands get to, you know, highlight uh, their songs. And, you know, the fans and the radio staff vote and stay or go. You know, should the music stay on the station or, you know, should, should it get the hell out of here? And it's a fun thing. And that sounds great. It turned into a 25-minute roast of just... Uh, all, me, Brian, and Sean, and the music in my soul. It just, it, it was not a great experience. But it was a good, but I'm blessed because we got our ears out there. And a lot of people liked what we put out there. A lot of people even had notes or, or, or comments that spoke to things we've heard about our music. So we've got our, you just got to find your audience, right? That's a bigger lesson for another time. But I had to sit there for 25 minutes on my cell phone in my living room, pacing around because I was nervous. Why, while um, the hosts of the show were fine. One of the hosts was great. The producer was didn't like our stuff, but was great. Well, the host was playing to the segment, is all I'll say. And then they went to the phones. And I had to sit there for 25 minutes on my cell phone, which, by the way, when's the last time you've used your cell phone as a phone? Yeah. And I had to listen as, as 15 people from the greater Los Angeles area tripped over themselves to call into the radio station and live on air just just rip into me. Just rip into me. Like, they were not kind. And it, it was no longer a kind... Of, they weren't just kind about the music we had put out with, uh, as the Moon Angels. They were just, like, unkind to me. <laughs> unkind to my future. And I get it. It's morning radio. No one thinks there's consequences for their words. Everyone's just joking around. I'm taking your life's passion. I'm taking your art and I'm shitting on it for fun. Isn't that great? And we're all having a laugh here. And I played along and I had my jokes and I did all I could as they just insulted me. They insulted, uh, insulted Brian. They insulted Sean. They, it, it was tough. Hung up and then I immediately had to get to uh, ready for any time with Ken and Alden. I went from there to the Force Center live stream, which was two and a half hours. At about 6 p.m. on Friday, last Friday, I downloaded all the files I needed. I put on some shoes. 
and put on some outside clothes. And instead of getting angry, instead of crying, I wanted to do both. I walked to 7-Eleven and I got four slices of pizza and I got ice cream. And I love ice cream, but I don't eat a lot of ice cream anymore. If anything comes into our house, it's usually the non-dairy vegan versions of whatever Ben and Jerry's will offer. And it's quite good. It's not ice cream, but I like what it is. I think that's the key to eating uh, vegan. Oh, uh, it's a, it, I, I know that's not a cheese enchilada, but I like whatever this is with the label cheese and vegan plant-based cheese enchilada on it. Two different things. It's fine. And Adam, you're out there listening here right now with your, your ice cream in your hand, crushing a plate of food uh, that you, you're, you're admitting is, is a momentary bit of satisfaction. I had so much satisfaction. I didn't even regret it. I regretted it in my soul later on because once you get that fattening, tasty, sweet sugar, once you get your soul, it's about six days if we're going to eat more of the bad stuff. I I since then have crushed an entire thing of uh, like uh, the vanilla Oreos, the blonde Oreos. Uh, I um, have just gone to McDonald's. It's, it's unlocked the negative floodgate of happy food times. But I needed it. It's my crutch. It's my crutch. And I, uh, I am, uh, I'm trying. Uh, Lauren Romo in chat says, no regerts. And then later says, the typo was deliberate. Good. Because I had a regert. Um, and, I'm, you know, you want to make better choices. You, you want to not drown your sorrows in food or, or your happiness in food. That's sometimes it too. I'm some, I'm some, I'm some of the other size. Uh, yes. Uh, Trey T's here. We are talking about stress eating. Sometimes it's the other side, right? Where, uh, you have, you know, the night I returned to the comedy store in 2019, hadn't been there for a while, had some demons about that place. And I went and had a great set. And, and it came, uh, Grace and I went to uh, uh, the local diner near us, and I got the biggest plate of uh, omelets and hash browns and french fries and all of it at two in the morning. It was a great victory meal. And LQ points out a, a question here. This is what we do here. If you're live, thanks for hanging out. LQ uh, says, why are all the tasty foods so bad for you? <clears throat> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of questions I want to ask. God or whatever God is once I get to those pearly gates. If they're even, it's probably at this point just a velvet rope and a garage, an alley door. Uh, I, um, I want to ask why that's the case. Is that, is that the lesson of sin? That sin is so sweet that we all just can't stop ourselves. Tully's here since the wave of shame I get the moment I hit checkout on DoorDash ruins the whole high, but I still have the food when it comes. Yeah, that's it's like sometimes when you're like, do you want a receipt? No, I don't want a reminder of this. I don't want a reminder of this. That's That was easier to do in the old days, right? If you were just pulling out cash, maybe that's the key to uh, avoiding regerts <laughs> is to just do it with cash, buy it with cash. There's a great donut shop nearby me, kind of a legendary L.A. donut shop, and uh, open 24 hours. And I've come back from a comedy show, good or bad, and been like, oh, I'm going to stop and get a blueberry donut. And immediately get the sugar guts, but it doesn't matter. But I, you can only pay in cash there. And therefore, it is a memory. 
by the time there's no receipt, there's no logging into your bank website or app and a reminder of it there. It's clean. It's clear. So maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Or maybe we need the shame of the bank entry. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But this past weekend, I I uh, I had a great opportunity to go to. Uh, well, I got the program right here. Let me take a sip of my drink here. We got the Dragonberry and Sprite going, and it's tasty. It's wonderful. It's too good. I get to go to the Hollywood Reel, R-E-E-L, Hollywood Reel Independent Film Festival, 2024 program, right? Michael Madsen was in one of the films, Richard E. Grant, and me. Not on the same day, not in the same film. Uh, (laughs) But uh, this was the short film, The Nightmare Adorable, Joseph's, uh, Joseph Scrimshaw's uh, short film starring Amy Vorpal and Hal Lublin, two wonderful people, two very talented people, and me, uh, because uh, they needed someone just to sit in a chair for a bit. And it was a lot of fun. I'd seen it only on my computer. We saw it on the big screen. The presentation was wonderful. Shout out to one of the Patreon producers of the film, Brian Tiller, and his wife, Teresa, uh, showed up as well to support. Got to see them. And we, we got to sit for six or seven films. And if you've never been to a film festival, it's, it's, it can be interesting. There's some things there that uh, – there's some things there that you wouldn't expect to see or maybe not even want to see. Um, or maybe you think you don't want to see it, then you see it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you don't know when your film's going to be. It's just a block. So you sit down, and some people are asking, Trey T's asking, is it streaming anywhere? Not yet. Uh, Joseph's got to finish the uh, run, the the festival run. So later this year, it might be available. Uh, yeah, and like uh, Adam says, Amy seems to be a sweetheart. Can't wait to see the short. Yeah, Amy Vorpal's just an absolute uh, sweetheart. Give her a follow. Uh, Vorpal Sword on uh, social media. She's on Instagram a lot, and Hal Lublin, the great and talented how Lublin. And anyways, uh, The Nightmare Adorable was wonderful. And that was a great experience. But some of the films around it, I, it's people, I love people sharing their art. It's interesting what they put into it. It's interesting what they think they have there. And it's, and it's an accomplishment. But sometimes it's a little, it's, it's harder to see, right? Which is fine. Not everyone loved the, the music that our band got, had on the radio the other, other day. You just choose how to express your um, the distaste of it is, is all I'll say. So I'm choosing my words carefully. Loved all the films we watched. There was one film that was 30 minutes and was billed as an erotic psychological thriller. I don't know if it hit any of those marks, but they damn well tried. And we <laughs> we had to sit there for a while. It's a great thing that there was kids in the crowd, and they've got the they got to learn what BDSM is uh, very early in life. Uh, so, anyways, after that, starving, you kind of power through the art on display. And I went and had um, Lauren Roma says art is subjective, as I've been told. Yep, yep, yep. Oh yeah, very subjective at this film festival. But we went. I, I I was so excited for this meal. We were gonna have, we were gonna get together after lunch or after the film festival for lunch, downtown LA, 
a lot of options, but there's an El Cholo. And if anyone's an L.A. local or been around L.A. enough, El Cholo, there's the original one on Western. There's like three locations. There's one, I believe, Santa Monica, which I have been to. I've now, oh, I, oh, I just realized I completed the El Cholo trifecta. Wow. Put this on my resume. The El Cholo in downtown L.A. I, I, years ago, years ago, the Schmoes team was down for L.A. Comic-Con. We had a big panel. This is maybe 2015, 2016, maybe range. Uh, I want to say 2015, though. And I had just, yeah, 2015. I, you know why? You know why? I'm not just being an old man trying to get the dates right. I it just started at Screen Junkies. And uh, we were, you know, I was so used to Comic-Con. Comic-Con being just a party. And we all go down there and we're in hotels and we're partying until three in the morning. So I went down there for the entire L.A. Comic-Con. I got a hotel room right near L.A. Live, near the Staples Center. And I was like, great, I'm set. And there's an El Cholo within walking distance of this hotel. I want to, let's do this. Let's party. Let's drink tequila. And we had a panel on like a Saturday. I checked in. I My checkout time was Monday morning. I was going to also do something on Sunday. This is going to be great. We're going to party all weekend in downtown L.A. We had the panel on Saturday. Everyone went home and I was left alone. And I was so distraught and I wasn't feeling well either that I didn't even go to the El Cholo. I'd been waiting to go to this El Cholo for a long time. We finally went to this El Cholo. Uh, Hal, Amy, Joseph, Sarah, friend of ours, Vinny. Uh, suspicious. I, I did invite Brian. And I got to tell you, he's in here chat. He needs to answer for it. Uh, I did invite him. I, I just felt he was a little afraid of El Cholo. I just think he didn't want to go. I don't know why. Anyways, all this to say, I don't want to ramble too, long, too much longer on the story. Because, by the way, I want your questions. This is also, it is a Q&A as well. If you got some questions, ask me. If you got some questions that you really want me to answer, a super chat helps. Because I'll at least acknowledge the question. But you guys have been having so much fun hanging out with me. So, keep doing what you're doing. I ordered the burrito dor- dorado. Added to the menu in 1977. What I like about El Cholo is the menu has years. They have dates next to the items. It has been open since like 1923. So if you order, you know, enchilada suizas, it's from like 1963 or whatever it is. So the nachos are from 66, whatever it is. I ordered the burrito del rato from 1977. And it was the size of a football. And... I cleaned my plate and it came with sides. It came with the beans. It came with the rice. It came with a a couple spoonfuls of guacamole. It came with a couple spoonfuls of sour cream. It came with some lettuce, like a salad, but it was kind of a lettuce put on your burrito. It was there, but it had, it had stuff in it. So it just wasn't, wasn't just like a side of lettuce. It was like a little salad. I ate it all. I ate it all. And the waiter was shocked. And this is not the first time in my life. That I've ordered something on a menu, finished it, cleaned my plate, and had the waiter say something. But mind you, this isn't like one of those man versus food restaurants. I loved that show. I think I could have been great on that show. This isn't that. This isn't that where, like, you go in there and on the menu, they're like, only five people have tried and succeeded. Everyone else has died with this meal we got. This isn't like that. Um, got an important question. I'm going to favorite this one coming in from Big Lou. Uh, and we got one from Tully here. 
<laughs> El Cholo is Spanish for the Cholos. That's right. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, it's not the first time in my life. And I, this is my problem. I think if I could boil down all my problems into one thing, it is the fact that waitstaff who are regulars at a restaurant have seen me eat food, have seen me finish said food, and said to me, that's a problem. Like, th- th- I don't see people do that. Uh, I did mention this on Forsen this past week. There's a, there's a restaurant in my hometown area called um, uh, Ventena Grill. I, I think it's still there. It's right on Shell Beach, overlooks the ocean. And it's a, it's mostly a like a seafood kind of restaurant, but they have a burrito on there, and it's a divine burrito. And it is very sizable. I don't even want to oversell it. It's it's but it's it could be like a foot long. Every time I'd finish it, and the one time the waiter waiter looked at me and said, I have never seen anyone finish that. I was like, all right, got it. I'm not here. No one's ringing a bell. No one, no one's ringing a bell. I'm just here eating. And I think that's my problem in life. Because as I was halfway through the, the meal, and you're starting to feel it. You're starting to get the, the not just meat sweats, you're getting the full sweats. Your body's shaking. Your constitution is being challenged. Uh, there's a bead of sweat coming down uh, the, the spine. Uh, you're right down your back. And you think, I could wrap it up to go. I could I could wrap it up and give it to someone on the street. I've done that. Am I a hero? Of course I'm a hero. Josh McCuga and I did that in 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 uh, Arizona. We walked, we were in that mellow mushroom that we always talk about. If you're Josh and Mark and I talk about that damn mellow mushroom in Arizona. Was it Tempe or Scottsdale, whatever, Phoenix? All one area. Uh, we, we got food to go to take back the hotel room. Oh, we were so excited. We walk out and we're immediately, immediately met with a, a residentially challenged individual of Scottsdale, Tempe, Phoenix, Arizona, who said, can I have your food? And we, what are you going to do at that point? You're going to look them in the eye and say, eh, yeah, we were going to go back to the room with this. No, nah, we gave them the food. So you could do that. All my life, I have the opportunity to do the right thing, to do what's better, to do what's best for me and perhaps best for those around me. And every time, I pushed through it. I finished the meal. Now, uh, for those of you listening uh, elsewhere around the world, this might not be a problem for you. Uh, This is potentially a uniquely American problem of we offer large amounts of food. Uh, Claim Jumper is a restaurant chain that's slowly but surely going out of business. Claim Jumper was famous. Like they, they should have been brought up on charges for wasting food. There's no way. No way on a daily basis they weren't just wasting pounds upon pounds upon pounds upon pounds upon pounds of food. There's just no way. But there I am, often at Climb Jumper, finishing the job, James. <laughs> See, this is what LQ brings up a point here. Maybe it was pure admiration. You'd think, but it's not. I'm looking in their eyes. It's, it's it's a bit of concern. It's a bit of shock. It's a bit of phantom pains. And even when we were driving, we were. Dri- <laughs> I, I rode with Hal, and we're we're in the car back, and I just kind of I was like, oh man, I f- finished all that burrito. And Hal went, yeah, you did, because he could tell. He could tell. He was watching it happen. He was sitting kind of across from me, catty corner. He could see. 
that I was just poking away. And, and the thing is, too, it's not slow. Which, you know, I know if you slow down your eating, your stomach will fill up and then send the signals to your brain. I know how the science works. No one needs to remind me. I don't even stop for that. I, it, I, I eat fast like I'm a chihuahua that has been at a pound and knows that if it doesn't eat now, it's not eating at all. That's how I approach it. All right, Tiller's got an answer here. Oh, super chat coming in. Thank you. <laughs> Brian Tiller says, ha ha. How, how do you think he, Brian left? Ha ha or ha ha. We have plans. I always, I always type ha. That's how I laugh in text. Ha. That's what I do. Ha ha. We had plans, but thanks for the invite. I'm jealous of that burrito. Love me a giant burrito. He does. He does. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Joey Beans is here with a question. <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, Alan Smith, he points out the real men dive impacted Golans. It looks that way. It looks that way. Um, Adam says, I'm the worst at Golden Corral or a quality Asian buffet. You know what's funny about that? I, um, I, you know what? Yeah, I, I think I, um, I think I could own a buffet, not own it as a business, but own it as a as as a as a diner. <laughs> I I just that's one thing that's changed about me. I have never dominated at a buffet, and maybe I need to make this a bit of a life goal. I've never dominated at a buffet ever. I've tried. I've gone to like a soup plantation. Still one of the most Weirdly named restaurants. I've gone to a hometown buffet. Uh, I, I, I've done that stuff. I've gone to the the buffet at the Gold Coast Casino in Las Vegas. Well, I'm one plate and I'm out. I think it's mental. I think it's mental. Because you put a big plate in front of me and I know that's my only plate. I can go a bit. I can get some dessert. We're good. I got a gullet and I'll stuff food in there. All right. We're good. But I think there's something I, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. It's like it's like a big game, and I'm not a big game player when I get to the buffet. When I used to do the you know this hot sizzler nights podcast, and I'd go over to the salad bar, I, it was a one plate thing. Occasionally, I get to two plates if I actually did the salad. I'm a one plater at a buffet, and I don't know why. I think I got to improve, or just never go to a buffet. Like as I'm talking, I'm like holding on to my pains in my stomach. Ow. Adam, do you have any tips? What are the tips for the buffets? That's what I need to know. Do you start slow, work with a salad? Sometimes salad can cause a bit of a problem. Cleans, not cleans out, but just it's too much. I don't know. That went down a road I didn't want to go. JMB says, uh, half a dozen friends and I got baked and wrecked. I mean, wrecked a golden, cloud, golden corral one night. Um, yeah, see, I've never done that. Never done that. Never done that. Even if it's, if it's like all you can eat pancakes or something like can't do it. I'm a one plater. I'm not an all you can eat guy. I think maybe I just know how to know my limitations. You know, it's like, it's like when, when Adam gets into a wrestling ring, is he working with a high flyer, a flippity flop guy? Is he working with a ground and pounder? 
Is he working with a worker or is he working with a six moves and it's time to go home? Is he, you know, you know, and I know myself now. If I get in that ring, I'm not a, I'm not a buff fire. <sighs> J&B says, my mouth in front of uh, that helping pile of mac and cheese and all you can eat. Yeah, yeah, mac and cheese is a staple at a buffet for me. I don't know. Oh, okay. Big Lou. I mean, it's in his name. Big Lou is probably dominated some Asian buffets. And he says, my trick is less than one scoop pride up. I think that's great. So, Lou, if you're going, um, you're going like a little orange chicken, a little broccoli and beef, one egg roll. You're just moving down there. And then that way you can get it all, dominate it all. It'd be okay. Um, Joey Beans uh, says, is every exit out of a buffet walk of shame? It's, it is, I think. Walk of Champions, too. Exactly, says Big Lou. Now, what's the one we've talked about? What's the, like, Brazilian steakhouse? Is it Fuca de Chao? Fuca de Beppo? That's actually an Italian restaurant here. It's Fuca de Chao, right? That's the one. I was in Chicago. It's all you can eat. You just tell them that. Jorge Castro says, my buffet move to stay away from carbs. That's Yeah, that's right. The bread's going to trip you up. Potatoes, maybe that'll trip you up. Just go for the meat and go for the greens. Uh, in Chicago, my friend took me the the, the one of the the Sunday at uh, Star Wars Celebration Chicago. If anyone was there, you know that Sunday. It was like the, the snow came. <laughs> JMB says, you're turning me to Kenny Eastwood. A man's got to know his limitations. And my friend who lived in Chicago at the time took me out. We met up at a Fuca de Chow near my hotel. And I was so excited. You know, you just tell them, uh, stop or go, and they'll bring by slabs of meat. And then, you know, they, they were putting like one one little tiny piece on my plate. And there's, I'm like, I'm going to crush this thing. I, I almost didn't make it back to my hotel room. It was so bad. So painful. So, yeah, even then, even then. Let's go to the questions. If you got a question, I also want to share some thoughts and uh, memories of... Um, Richard Lewis, who passed away today at 76 years of age. Final season of Kirby Enthusiasm is still going. And um, I don't know if he's any more episodes. He was in one already. I know the last couple of years have been a struggle for him. He had Parkinson's disease. Passed away. He was a heart attack. <sighs> Bummer. Bummer. But what a career. What a legacy. Do you want to talk about that? Super chat in from Jared. Funds for Napsock and Plume watching DS9. Yeah, that's been this on, ongoing thing. If you say his name, he'll, he'll appear because he wants me to watch DS9. Scrimshaw backs this as well. Scrimshaw says that he fear he he thinks, and maybe I fear, he thinks that if I was to get into DS9, I'd probably really like it. Again, like I said, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. All right, uh, Big Lou. Question, Big Lou says, is guacamole a side or a topping? For me, I'm going to take the chips out of the equation. Let's take the chips out of the equation. If we're, if we're not worried about chips and salsa, chips and guac. I do think it is, is uh, I do think it's a, 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 a it, 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 it's a floor wax and a dessert topping. It's all of it. For me, on, on Sunday at El Cholo, it was more of a side than a topping. Now, I did take some of it. 
mix it around that burrito, just slowly slathered that guac and sour cream on top of that slow, saucy, tasty burrito. I did do that. But what I, you know, again, you have the little lettuce, which again, this version, it wasn't just like some sliced up iceberg lettuce. They had some stuff in it. It could have counted as a salad. And I just took the guac and I took the lettuce and I took the sour cream and I ate that. So I would say that's a side, not a topping at that point. That that's part of the meal, I think. I mix it with everything too. I mix it with everything. Everything. Good question, Big Lou. You guys discuss. I'll wait for your answers. Uh, is a live stream that I got to uh, remember. I'm moving at a faster speed than the broadcast is getting out to all of you. So what do you think? JMB is speaking uh, my truth. Guac and sour cream are not optional on my burritos. I'm with you in there. Non-negotiable, he says. Jared stands by it's a topping, which, look, I think that's the safest answer. I think that's, you know, that's the way. It's definitely meant it's served up to you as, a, as something that, hey, would you like to add this to your already full burrito? Lou says, this is how my family is with our hummus. We put it in everything. Okay, I like hummus. What's the weirdest thing, Big Lou? What's the weirdest thing that you're putting it on? I'm dying to know that. Keep it clean, Big Lou. What's the biggest food item? Uh, weirdest food item, if I, food item, I mean, that you're, you're putting it on. Because that's, uh, we, we're a hummus house. We have a lot of hummus. The hummus comes in. Oops, sorry. I was uh, getting to the back end of Twitch there. And uh, I don't know what it was doing there. I apologize. It started to play someone else. Uh, hi to those watching on Twitch. We appreciate uh, you watching on Twitch. We appreciate you watching on Facebook as well. Uh, you put in a meatloaf. Hummus and meatloaf. Use it on sandwich instead of a mustard. Now, okay, that's kind of a Greek, like a Greek sandwich or something like that. I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, rice and beans are side, says Jared. Yeah, I agree with that. Brian Taylor points out those Brazilian I can eat meat comas, uh, coma places are brutal. Yeah, it's it's something else. Meatloaf. Lauren says, well, be a side. No topping. It's a side. Uh, Jorge asks, uh, chunky guac or smooth guac? There's We're all winning here. Jorge, there's no wrong answer here. But I'll 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 go chunky. It's one of the only times in life that I like things chunky. Is chunky guac. I don't mind smooth guac. Like getting it at, especially if you get like a little package at a little grocery store, uh, you know, tub of guac. Yeah, I get I get tubs. Uh, all right. Going back to the questions. Another super chat coming in. There you go. Love that. Let's get to that. Alan Smithy, our good friend Alan Smithy. <laughs> no question. Thanks for the show, Ken. Here's a little 7-Eleven snack cash. May the snacks be with you. I appreciate that. They know me at my 7-Eleven. They know me. They know me. In fact, my favorite guy who works there is back. He, he left for a while. I don't know. And I don't want to ask him. I don't want to ask him. But Jimmy's back. If you remember, if you all remember the GPA days when we used to, thank you for the super chat too, Alan Smithy. Man's got a beard after my own beard and heart. Lauren Romos is chunky guac over smooth, but both aren't bad. Again, you know when. If you remember the GPA days uh, where we used to go get those, um, 
Twisted Tees. It was at the 7-Eleven, same 7-Eleven, and they had a guy, Jimmy, who worked there. Every time we told him what we do, and every time he'd sell us the Twisted Tees, he would um, he would ask if he could come on the show. I think we should have done it. I think things would have gone differently for that channel if we brought Jimmy. <laughs> Troy says, oh, old Twisted Tea, Jimmy. Speaking of beards. All right. More questions. Get your questions in. Get your questions in. Uh, Tully says, have you have uh, you ever had a restaurant change up an item on you? Uh, place the, her original, uh, their Italian beef, oh, replace their uh, Italian beef for some reason. Now the best sandwich ever is lost in time, like tears in the rain. Yes. Oh, this is a weird phenomenon. Tully, I know what you mean. This is a great question. Trey T says, I don't have a favorite 7-Eleven guy in my life yet working on it. Yes, all of you get yourself a f- favorite 7-Eleven guy. Tully, I know what you mean by this question. Where something, it's, it's the item isn't necessarily removed. Because I've had that. Uh, Red Robin, a good, great example of that. Red Robin used to have quesadillas. Great quesadillas. Uh, used to get them all the time. That's probably why I gained 40 pounds in 2008 and nine. And uh, then it was gone. It was gone. So that's different. That's different. Have you ever had a restaurant change it up? Yeah, there was. Um, yeah, there was a there was a deli uh, like a sandwich place back in my hometown that I loved when I was there in the nineties. Then when I moved to LA, I would hit it when I'd come back into town because it was so good. Um, it was. Um, it's called Kona Cafe. There was two locations. A downtown and one closer to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. <laughs> Brennan's here. Says hello there. Got to be careful with those burritos. Anyways, no need to no need to uh, stretch out the story. They had it was just a great, nearly foot long king size sub. It was so they loved it. Was just great. It was I loved it. It was one of the reasons I loved deli sandwiches. Um, and then I went back. And the whole the whole store kind of changed things, but like the the number eight I used to get, like a ham and cheese combo. But you know, it was it, it was great. It was fr- it was different. Everything about it was different. I don't know what happened. The size it wasn't just the size it was a little smaller. It was shaped different. The bread was shaped different. The slicing was different. It wasn't just a one time thing. It just it just was now what the sandwich was. It wasn't my favorite number eight. It was some other number. And um, I think that's a small example of what you're thinking of. Jared says, yeah, uh, Chili's did me with their quesadilla ex- ex- explosion salad. <sighs> that's a good sandwich. Or good salad. I sh- I've had that salad. Uh, yeah, the little changes. I don't know why. Could be costs. I don't know. Um... Laserbolt says, I was bummed with Taco Bell discontinued the Mexican pizza, but now it's back and all as well. Yeah, discontinued. Discontinued is a, is a good topic, right? About all the uh, all the foods that have gone before. It's all the foods I've loved before. We got a great in-chat discussion going on with uh, Big Lou and Hummus. Everyone's asking... Um, does he replace ketchup with hummus? And he says, yeah, my family never put ketchup on meatloaf. No one here saying you or your family is weird, Big Lou. We're just saying we'd like to come over and observe this. 
Uh, back to your question, Telvi. Yeah, uh, it, it's. Uh, I'd love to know a little bit more. And again, I'm sure there's some reasons. Cost a head chef takes off, takes up. Uh, you know, um, the, the leadership mantle at the corporate office. I don't know. I don't know. But it's disappointing because you know. Oh, big young coming in. I'm like a dog. Um, it's. Uh, you know, we all have those favorite meals at our restaurants. We all have. We all have things we enjoy, and. Um, you go to those restaurants wanting those. And when they're gone or they're changed, it's like life. I guess we have to learn. There's always lessons. I'm always trying to find the lessons. Uh, Big Lou says there's a diner near my house. Look, I have, I have to trim my mustache. You guys see this? I can't. If you're, if you're listening to the podcast later and you've stayed this long, thank you. Every sip of my... Um, Every sip of my uh, uh, Bacardi here ends up on my mustache like it's a glacier slowly melting thanks to climate change. Every time. I need a straw. Need a straw. Jared says, as a neurospicy, love that term, I hate it and things change labels. Yeah. <laughs> Troy says, wait, quesadilla explosion salad is what it was called before you eat it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Absolutely, Troy. I've had it. It's brave for any restaurant to name their food an explosion of any kind. They do it. <laughs> uh, beverage I'm drinking is Bacardi Dragonberry and Sprite. As recommended by, I think, someone in, in chat here, didn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm going to yawn. I have to yawn. I think I've talked so much. I sat down here and said, such, I'm almost lightheaded. I need, this is why I need a co-host sometimes. I, I'm going to be, I, I got the blathering conversations that I'm uh, do, doing uh, again in the future. But I think on this live stream, I'll just start throwing, I'll just throw links to some of my friends. Maybe I convince Mark Riley to show up. I bet he's sometimes lurking, watching me, just like I lurk and watch his content. Joey Beans, an old school Schmoes fan from back in the day. This is Ken, Mama Pop Donut Shops or Chain Shops. Yum Yum or Duncan's? I'm always going to seek um, out of those. Well, out of those two options, Yum Yums. I, I, I don't I have don't have a ton of Duncan's experience. The only I do like Duncan's. The only time I get a Dunkin' Donut and a coffee or a hot chocolate from Dunkin' Donut, it's the only time, is JFK. Every time we'll fly in, usually we're taking Delta to JFK or JetBlue. Yeah, actually more JetBlue to JFK. Every time we go to the same uh, baggage carousel, and while we're waiting for, usually it's my check bag. Mark Ellis, not much of a bag checker. Uh, we're waiting for my check bag or Grace's check bag. There's a Dunkin' Donuts right there, a little stand. And it's always, we get there late at night, the way we fly. We like getting in there late at night. We don't like doing the red eye. And it's kind of open, but it's kind of not. And I'll get like a strawberry fluff and huff or whatever it's called and a hot chocolate. And I'll take that and I'll have that in the cab. Um, It's the only time I can really get Dunkin's on a regular basis. Um... But uh, I, always a mom and pop. Always if I can. Always, always if I can. Uh, Ken Plumes here says, smash that like button. Yes. 
My ears are burning, Trey T, because this Dragonberry drink and this beanie and a lack of a fan in this uh, is, is, is uh, it's making me hot. All right. Um, J&B, uh, we got some more questions about food. Yeah, so anyways, I, I, I absolutely, absolutely enjoy uh, a, a mom and pop donut shop. There's just something so great about it. There's something, this is why I love, oh, God damn it, do I love donuts. God damn it, I love donuts. I'll walk into a donut shop. It's bad enough if you show up at the office and you got one of them godforsaken pink boxes sent from hell itself to taunt me and tempt me. I'm a three donut guy at the office. And then I'll go back like two hours later and I'll pick the, uh, I'll pick like the half, you know, when people break off. I just want a half. And they break off a chocolate glaze and they leave and it kind of gets a little stale by two o'clock. I'm, 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 I circle back to the break room and I'll finish them. I'm horrible. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I just, there's something about you walk in that donut shop, Joey. Mm. Uh, dinner, breakfast of dinner, breakfast of choice omelet. I'm getting lunch tomorrow and, uh, I'm going to a place that has uh, breakfast all day and I'm going to have a lunch omelet. JMB says, I'm convinced Ellis is a serial killer. Everyone says he's great. Per- he's a great person. He just gets better the longer you know him. I think he's a traveling mass mur- murderer. <laughs> mass murderer. I can't say no. I can't deny it. I can't deny it. Uh, speaking of Mark Ellis, David Cordette says, I got my ticket for the Somerville show. Any else, uh, any, uh, anyone else in the Boston area planning to go? You know what you Have I even put up the link? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't have the art yet. Usually I'll get that art from, um, from Mark and Brian Ward and I'll, I'll put that up. Uh, I haven't, I haven't got the art yet. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, we got a, we got a couple shows out there. So, uh, anyone out there, anyone going, um, Jared, there you go. Jared says, I'm hoping to be there. Uh, Big Lou says, Mark Ellis lures his victims in with the sober scooter. Solid reference. Big Lou. Solid reference, Big Lou. Uh, do, 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 do. All right. Um, here's a serious question. Uh, they've all been serious questions. If you got a question, get it in. If you have a question, you want me to get my going to get my attention. At least have acknowledged the question, even though, uh, even though I might not answer it. Super chats are always welcome. We've got a few. Thank you. But uh, thank you all for participating as always tonight. I still want to talk about Richard Lewis. We'll do that about six o'clock. There we go. Jared on uh, Facebook says, uh, any thoughts on what the themes of Hot D will be this year? Of course, Hot D means House of the Dragon. But I like Hot D. I like Hot D. I don't care if you clip that out, Big Lou. I don't care. Uh, What are the themes? Uh, When I heard that question, I thought maybe you meant, um, like, are they going to have a different theme song? But I'm, I'm sure you're talking about the themes of the show. And I got to tell you, I don't quite know where to go with that right now. I I think it might have to, you know, going into the second season of House of Dragon, no spoilers for anyone who knows the story in detail. I, I think vengeance and what kind of vengeance and what vengeance can bring you could be a theme with uh, Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra Targaryen and where she wants to go and where we, you know, think she goes. And, and to be honest, I, I know the story pretty well. 
looking across at Fire and Blood on my bookshelf over there. But it's been a while since I've read it. So I'm going into season two, not blind, but I'm going into season two, waiting to even be refreshed on the story myself. So I like that because I don't know what's around the corner in all the details. I do know I do know what some of the other big vets coming are. But uh, you know what I mean? I think vengeance and what's the cost. And what starts out as justice, what ends up as vengeance, which is a theme that we see play out time and time again in the real world. It's not so much with Game of Thrones in that world of how you fight versus why you fight. That's more of a Star Wars thing. But what do you do when the, the flames of anger take over? Uh, that's what I think. Well, Jared says, do you think Star Wars idea if it's not what we fight, but how we fight? Yeah, I, I don't. I think a little bit of that, but it, it not as, it's not as prevalent in... Game of Thrones. It's not as concerned with preaching that. Sometimes it's about you should fight, right? You should stand up for yourself, which Star Wars does have that too, but Star Wars is more interesting, more interested in analyzing um, you know, what do you do with your choices? Versus Game of Thrones sometimes. Say the choice has been made. How do you do? Abernathy says incest and war. You, you know, that's kind of the big themes. So anyways, um, Jared says, also, please, please have Romo back on Casterly Talk. You hear that, Romo? You got fans. The Galactic podcast is going strong, and the Geek broadcast is all, all, all of Romo's shows that have uh, little plays on words that I sometimes mess up. Galactic podcast is still going on. And, uh, yeah, we'll absolutely get Romo back on. She's great. Big Lou has this question here. Has there been any updates on the production of season two of Rings of Power? Not that I've seen. I know it's uh, I know it's uh, going. I know it was going. I know they had some cast changes. But I fell off the, the, detailed, uh, the details of that. I'm excited, though. I'm excited. Laura Roma has accepted the invitation. She should be, she'd be honored as always. Okay. We like that. Uh, Adam Knight asked this question. He says, okay, potato chips. We all enjoy them. No denying. So, favorite flavor brand. I'll tell you what. Nothing, um, nothing pisses me off more than these nice Canadians. Nothing pisses me off more than these nice Canadians who come in here and then they misspell flavor like that. The fuck does this you come from? It's, you don't need to speak the Queen's and King's English anymore, Adam. You're free. Still on your money, but you're free. For me, you know what? Um, I um, got a great question from Modern Sketches. We're going to get to that. Thank you, Modern Sketches, for your question. Adam Adam says, how dare I impugn the Queen's English? The Queen is dead. The Supreme Leader is dead. Long live Supreme Leader. Oh, you got color, behavior. Oh, you're all... Okay, I'll, I'll say this. I am not particularly brand loyal when it comes to potato chips. I'll go where the wind takes me. If I show up to your event, like say a trivia contest in Chicago in front of a thousand people, and all of the... Um, Craft services are potato chips. I will sit there happily, happily in the corner devouring all the chips. I like chips of all kinds. I like chips of all brands. 
I don't seek out, say, Frito-Lays, but if they're there and I get a little Frito-Lay, uh, great. If I get a cheese puff, great. What I have discovered, though, is the only thing, um, the only thing that I, um, oh, Dylan's got a question about the Cheesecake Factory. I got distracted by the Cheesecake Factory. I have discovered that, like, I used to love barbecue. I used to love, like, jalapeno, so the jalapeno kettle chips. I like those. Used to like a lot of stuff like that. Pepperoncini, cool ranch. It's all become too much for me now. Maybe this is a sign of old age. Maybe this is a sign of me calming down, slowing down. I don't know. Maybe one day I won't finish all of the burrito at the restaurant. Maybe one day Hal Lublin won't watch me eat and say, yeah, you did. Maybe that will be the future for me. But I found that they're too, I don't know. And again, this is not this is not one brand. We change up the brands around this house. We get the kettle chips. I'll get some Lay's. Um, I'll get some, um, well, there's a brand called like Uglies or something you get from Imperfect Foods. All good. The only flavored chip I enjoy right now is salt and vinegars. We call them salt and vinnies in this house. And I, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> you guys got some great questions. Uh, Vermont Mike's Pringles, done and done. I like a Pringle. I, J&B's partial to Ruffles, uh, regular crunchy uh, Cheetos, some puffs of the devil's work. Yeah, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a, um, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned about that as much. Yeah. Um, but that's what I've discovered. That is what I've discovered is I had some home style ranch kettle chips or something like that. It was like a, imagine a ranch salad on your potato chip, which doesn't maybe sell it for a lot of folks, but I was, I love ranch. So I was like, this is going to be great. Couldn't finish the bag. Had to toss them out. They were making me sick. I had some barbecue chips the other day, like smoked barbecue flavor. Too much. Almost too sweet. And again, this is many brands. I am just finding if it's if it's not salt and vinegar, then just a regular potato chip. And then after that, I'm good for right now. And that's that's a new development. New development. Don't know what's happening. Ken Plum says the answer to the question, and maybe this is just a sign of old age, is it's always yes. Yeah. Could be it. Uh, there you go. Salt and vinegar is almost always the correct choice, says Adam Knight. We're back on the same page. LQ says, I've been buying popcorners recently. Not traditional, but good. Yeah, I've tried those. I tried those. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't stick with me, but they're good. They're lighter. Lighter fare. Lauren Rome has been on this brand. Cape Cod. I don't, I think you're making it up. This is like Lauren and Detroit style pizza. I didn't believe that existed until I, I saw it in the wild. I, I I think you're making up this brand, Cape Cod potato chips. No idea what a Cape Cod potato chip is. Is it clams? Is it a clam chowder potato? Oh god. Oh god. I just got the hot spits. What <laughs> Okay, you are you guys are all saying that these are real things. Laserbolt's laughing because he, he he it's a baked chip. Okay, what are the worst flavored potato chips we can come up with? They're kettle chips. Okay, okay. 
Scotty's here. Scotty uh, J. Rose here, the man behind the wonderful midi-chlorian um, uh, school lesson. It's, it's what I'll call it. It's an essay, but check it out over on the Bomb Podcast. Uh, you're all, okay, you're all saying that Cape Cod potato chips are real. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't know. I agree, JMB. Cape Cod potato chips, Detroit style beats, and birds are figment of someone's imagination. Okay. <laughs> um, Troy says no one makes a kettle chip, uh, kettle cooked chip like Cape Cod. All right, all right, all right. All right, so can we pitch, can we pitch the worst potato chips uh, that we could possibly have? Modern Sketches says birthday cake potato chips. I've got clam chowder. Um, lettuce flavored potato chips. I always go to lettuce. I always, I always wanted, um, I always wanted to make corn flavored yogurt. You know, not like fro- you could do frozen yogurt, but just like blueberry, boysenberry, strawberry, corn, fish taco. Jared's got fish taco. Um, uh, I've never had zaps either. Zaps voodoo flavor. Okay. Actually, like them despite hating salt and vinegar. Oh, okay, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna look seek that. Uh, fish. T- <laughs> if you're just joining, we're trying to name. We're doing great work here. We're and yes, I know the world has some very serious things going on. I'll deal with that tomorrow on any time. Uh, we've got uh, dairy. We got durian flavored potato chips. We've got fish taco, molten boron <laughs> chips. <laughs> Ken Plouffe's got Detroit style potato chips. Uh, uh, parsley flavored soda before. Okay, then Scotty's got crawfish seasoning flavored potato chips are fantastic. But here's 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 Scotty's thing. You know he's down there in like Louisiana area, right? He's a hop skipping a potato chip away from Bourbon Street. I would expect crawfish seasoning on anything he wants. Zaps is from Louisiana. Uh oh, Tully Quinn says Doritos had mustard flavor last year. Eek. Uh, the peanut butter and jelly chip. That seems like one of those things that it is too much of a of a good thing, right? But some people put potato chips on like their peanut butter sandwiches, right? We have some of those afflicted people out there. We do you do eat bugs and arthropods. That's good. I'm trying to get back to New Orleans this year. See, yeah, Vermont Mike's with me. Sweet corn, Greek yogurt, make it happen, right? A sweet potato? What about a sweet potato? <laughs> sweet potato potato. They probably got sweet potato potato chips. I hate sweet potato fries. That's why. <laughs> David Cornette says, with Detroit-style potato chips, the chips are on top of the bag. Take that, Romo. Take that and your godforsaken Detroit-style pizza that you made up in your mind. I can't wait to try it, by the way. Ooh, yeah. Asparagus-flavored potato chips. Yeah, that would, yep. Yeah. Steam broccoli. What about, I, I like to, these are all great, by the way. You guys are great. I like the idea, it's like with a peanut butter and jelly chip. Like, there's a party that's like, ooh, like that might be okay. And then when you get there, it's like, it's like too much, right? It's just one toke over the line, sweet Jesus. So like, like orange chicken flavored potato chips. Like, I love orange chicken, right? Thai food is a regular thing in our house. Orange chicken meal. Entree, please. Extra chicken. I'll regret it in the morning. Um, but if, I, if you're like, ooh, Ken, do you want to try some orange chicken potato chips? I'd be like, absolutely. And about halfway through, I'd be like, get them away from me, please. This is horrible. 
Uh, Ken Plume says plain potato flavored potato chips. Yeah, something like that would work. Yeah, something like that. Uh, Adam Knight's got to go. Uh, Adam says, can't stick around, but want to share some appreciation for Let the Night Will Knock Me Out. Great evening, all. Uh, yeah, it, 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 by the way, uh, um, folks, uh, Adam is uh, is an author, but he's also a, a pro wrestler and has been so for decades. Uh, he's got some merch out there. Uh, Adam, is it, a, is, is it on uh, your own website or, or like pro wrestling tees or something? Drop a link. If you want to support, I've been meaning to get one here too. Uh, get an a- Adam Knight pro wrestling t-shirt and support him uh, for his uh, One More Ride campaign going on here. Uh, Aiden says uh, putting chips, yeah, putting chips on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is the equivalent of ordering a well scotch knee. <laughs> if at that point, there's no getting out. Yeah. Uh, Kadu flavored potato chips. We're going Star Wars Naboo special. Love that. Love that. Scotty, if I'm at Cafe Dumont and I don't want a beignet, which are great by the way, if I don't want a beignet, what? What's a good second change-up order at Cafe du Monde? Du Monde. Uh, tell me. I might be drinking. Thanks for Super Chat too, Adam, on the way out. Got some great questions. We've got some serious questions. Um, and we got one. Um, we're going to stick with some food. we got some... Uh, um, Scotty's <laughs> Scotty says, here we go. I'm trying to get back to New Orleans this year. And I love Cafe Du Monde. Uh, I love beignets, but ben- beignets are a little much for me. They're not like I loved it. It was a great experience. Um, but I want to. I want to know my other options there. And while we're doing that, while Scotty's registering that, we're going to answer this question from Dylan Barry. Dylan says, "Hey, I'm meeting some friends at Cheesecake Factory. What do I get?" I'm glad you asked, Dylan. If you're um. The thing with uh, Cheesecake Factory is um, is there's plenty of options. It's a big menu. It's a novel. And if you're meeting some friends and it's a good raucous time, going to be a lot of laughing, talking, sharing stories. They got little fried mac and cheese balls, I think at one point they had on the menu. Highly recommend that. They got a basket of bread that is top notch. If you're talking about restaurant basket of bread rankings... Um, Cheesecake Factory's up there. They got that, the real, what's the dark brown bread? I forget what it's called. Really good. It's like got a cracked oat thing going with it. Solid. I don't know if they have it still. Again, talking about restaurants, changing things up. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been to Cheesecake Factory. <clears throat> they had a shrimp BLT thing going like an SLT or an SBLT, shrimp, bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich. I'm a big fan of shrimp. And uh, it's about the only thing I eat from the sea. Other than, well, tuna, the chicken of the sea. I highly recommend that. But it was a sandwich that, it loses its integrity. The, the whole of the sandwich is compromised the moment you start eating it. It's one of those sandwiches. So maybe a knife and fork. Be prepared to eat a knife, uh, bring a knife and fork to your sandwich party. Anyone else? Comment below. Lauren Roma says she's never been to a cheesecake factory, so she doubts that it even exists. All right. So, Cafe Ola, Olate, Cafe Olate. Is that another location or is it an item on the menu? 
I want both. Other locations or an item on the menu? Scotty says he only eats. Uh, he says, honest to God, I only eat beignets. Okay. Okay, Scotty. Okay. I can't remember what was on the menu. It was, uh, going back to the bread, marble or rye. I think it might have been rye. It wasn't marble. It wasn't marble. Um, I haven't been to Cheesecake Factory in many years since Aiden. The only bigger that ever, uh, ever bested me. The rematch is highly anticipated. <laughs> I feel that, Aiden. Uh, Scotty says, say it like cafe au lait. Oh, okay. Cafe au lait. Do I have do I have to always add that, Scotty? Cafeole. Cafeole. I didn't when I was in Paris, I did not open my mouth. I kept my dumb American mouth shut when I was in Paris. I would say merci, but I'd say it like I was a southern debutante who was forced to say it because they lost some war. Merci. I I I've, other than that, I kept my mouth shut in Paris. Pum, dun, 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 dun. Say it like this carefully, and they and they do serve that at Cafe Du Monde. Okay, pumpernickel. I don't think it's pumpernickel. Someone look that up. Look up type type cheesecake. All right, frick it, I'll do it. Cheesecake factory bread name. Bread brown. No, oh, okay. People have looked this up. Uh, never mind that the actual recipe for these skinny little loaves is whole wheat baguette because the universally understood moniker is simply brown bread. It's also known as chocolate bread, a nod to the rich brown color. All right, there it is. It's just Cheesecake Factory brown bread. Oh, I can order it. Holy crap, I can order it. I can get this home now. Life gives you choices. You got to know when to walk away. <laughs> uh, Michael McCarthy says this occasion I'm pained by these uh, pronunciations I do declare I'm going to go down to Cafe Dumont and get some Cafe Olay have it with my beignet <laughs> you guys are killing me today Troy says, I hate the name BLT. It's just blatant disrespect to bacon. No one orders an HLT or a TLT or a CLT. It's a bacon sandwich, which is referred to as such. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. Scotty says, if you come down here, you know, I'll treat you a Mark Alistair great dinner or a jazz brunch at Buffett's on Sunday. Save your brunch, Scotty. I'm sure brunch is a religious experience in New Orleans. You are not getting Mark Ellis and I up before two on a show night if we're in New Orleans. Think dinner. Think drinks. I'm just saying that now. When Mark Ellis and I are on the road, we each have separate rooms. I don't see him till 2 o'clock the next day. And he doesn't hear from me. I don't hear from him. So brunch would be out of the question. All right. All right. Let's get back on track. We had some, we had some more restaurants questions in here. Um, oh, here it is. First of all, Super Chat, we'll get to this one here. Thank you, Mr. Plume. Which GOT character would you add to the Bad Batch? Great question. I'll think about that here. Malcolm says this. Hey, Ken, hope you're doing well. I'm doing good. I'm doing better. It's been a challenging year, but I'm... Hasn't it been for all of us? I'm getting better. Malcolm says this. I hope you're doing well. Hard-hitting question. How do you rank your past jobs based on how good the parking was? 
Uh, this is a great question. Parking is. Um, sorry, my drink is hit my desk. Scotty says, "Did he ever work in the food service?" Uh, I did not. No, I did not. Um, clearly, Malcolm's question is a trap. Yes, yes, absolutely. Per that uh, Admiral Akbar, Admiral Akbar uh, uh, picture there. Um, yeah. Ranking jobs based on parking. Oddly enough, you've heard me complain about it over the years. And sorry, I think I'm getting some internet. Uh, still showing as uh All right, sorry if it pixelates a little bit here. Burbank internet is taking over. Um, the job that I've always said that I quote-unquote hated the most or struggled with the most was my security job. And um, the years I was a security director, an assistant director and a director, were actually the best in terms of parking. We had the security office uh, out on the uh, south uh, east corner of the, the, the mall structure, Northridge Fashion Center. And our parking at the time was right. We would just park in the parking structure. There was times where we'd have to for holidays or something. I think people would have preferred if, if our staff, you know, you know, you don't want them taking up the valuable real estate parking for the customers. And I actually don't have a problem with that. But we had two parking spots reserved for LAPD because we had an LAPD substation in there. After a while, uh, LAPD wasn't signing officers to the substation. So me and at the time my bosses, and then eventually when I was the boss and I had assistants, we just park right there. So car pull in, I'm out, 16 steps, I'm in my office. That was the best one. When I was at the farmer's market and the Grove, when I was the security director of the farmer's market, I had to park in the Grove parking structure. And that, that was no, I get there early enough in the day. If anyone knows the Grove down there, go up with that helix. Uh, early in the day, not a problem. I'd park on the sixth level. No one would be there. Ten minute walk at most to my office. Cold morning, all good. Getting out was the problem. Getting so that was the bad, and we couldn't really park anywhere. We, they, the par, the parking in the farmers market side is so precious. Staff couldn't park there. That's that. Um, but I know you you you're um, you're trying to. I know this this question is about screen junkies versus collider. That's what this is about. And I'm prepared to answer this question, okay? And I'll say this. The screen junkies parking could be difficult, but we had we had a structure. We had a building we could go under. And it was like three levels. And there were some days it was full. Uh, we, there was like a medical center on the first level. There was like a bank. People were coming in and out. And the rest were like production studios. And depending if stuff... If, if, you know, you had a film company uh, on the third floor, our offices were on the second floor. If you had a film company on the third floor that was like in session making something and their staff was up, they ramped up staff. Parking could be hard, but I, I would get there early enough in the day. Uh, and then getting out, driving home an hour and 40 minutes, me and JT driving home, uh, it would, it was, that was a lot. I, I, yeah, no joke, almost two hours to get home from Beverly Hills to where I lived at the time. But anyways, that parking was secure, the parking staff, and I was always nice and friendly with the parking staff because I'm always nice and friendly to the people who take care of me. I'm affable when I'm out there in the public. Um, 
And that was good. The Collider parking was horrendous. It was horrendous. It was horrible. We had a tiny parking lot that was there. We had to save, save some of that for VIPs. There was a, shall we say, a, a, a top upper, upper echelon of folks who took some of the parking spots. I don't have a problem with that. I'm not saying I deserved them. We allowed uh, some of the uh, ladies on staff, we allowed them to park in there. Uh, Grace, even before I knew her, she'd park her car there. Wendy Lee, we're not going to make them walk. That's just the right thing to do. So you had the, the top upper echelon of the, of the company that felt they, and I'll say it, they felt they deserved those spots. And then you had the, the ladies who, you know, we don't want them walking down alleys. They deserve those spots. They deserve them more than anyone. We actually wouldn't give them spots, by the way. They had to squeeze in and double, triple park. But regardless. Um, but the rest of us were left to fend for ourselves. We were left to die. And I've talked about it on the Wagner Show. We got tickets. Uh, there was a parking structure kind of across the street, but it had like a four-hour limit. Would anyone ticket you? I don't know, but you couldn't park there because if you forgot... You know, we'd park in this alley that was, you know, the walking distance wasn't the problem. And I had no problem parking in the alley. I don't, I'm not putting up a fight. I don't even, sometimes I think the better parking spots are the worst to get out of. I'm not a parking spot squatter. I am not someone who's going to put on my turn indicator and wait till you move. I'll park on the street. I'll park far, far away. I'd rather park. And if I go, in fact, if I visit my old mall, the North Attraction Center, I don't park in the front in the main entrance area. I, there's a parking structure I go to that's on the second level. I go, I dump into a, a Sears, and I'm, I think it's closed now, some other sporting goods or something. And I'm in and out, no problem. Why do you hate Ken? Air it all out. Name fingers and point names. Um, I don't hate. I just, it's just, I don't care about those precious parking spots. And a lot of other people didn't care about the precious parking spots. They don't make or break me. They don't make or break my day. But when other people do and don't even consider anyone else, they just take those spots, that's, that, that stays with me. That's one of those things that it, I'll, I don't worry about it. It doesn't keep me up at night. But I'll always remember it. I'll always remember it. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, we got tickets. Uh, it was hard. It, it, and the Burbank, Burbank, that area started getting more developed. So there's more cars. And again, it wasn't about being far away. It was the attitude behind it. So there you go. Mm-mm, okay. And I'm trying to think of the other ones. Um, great question. Uh, yeah, other ones were all pretty cut and dry. Right now I have the best, this is the best one, my own driveway. And I got I got a, you know, ring camera on it so I can see you. I can see if you're coming up to my car, Aiden, slashing the tires or something like that. Uh, Scotty's got a question. Question. I'm going to favor that. But first, go back to uh, Ken Plume's question. Thanks for the super chat, Mr. Plume. 
You're a mean one, Mr. Plume. Which GOT character would you add to the Bad Batch? I was going to say the Hound, but you got a wrecker. This is a great question. I'd say Arya Stark, too, but then I think, you know, you already got an Omega. I think they'd get along. But I think Arya's, Arya doesn't need to be on a team. Um, I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking. Uh, Scotty says, I never understood the complaining about L.A. traffic and parking until I drove through over the summer and stayed a few days. 45 minutes just to get to another exit. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't mind L.A. traffic, but it can get ridiculous. Um, sometimes when you least expect it. Like, you usually expect it, so you build it into your life. Uh, but I had to go down to um, Newport Beach the other day, and you look on a map, you're like, all right, you know, far. It's three hours on a Saturday. Where the hell are these people going on a Saturday? Uh, Arya um, and Omega spinoff potential, says Troy. Uh, JMB says Ned Stark. Jared says Hot Pie. I'd say, you know, Jon Snow, but I think you kind of got, he's Hunter. You know, they've done a good job reflecting some of those different folks. Um, uh, what's his name? Sam is, is you know, a little bit of tech, a little, little bit of tech in there. Um, I it's possible someone like Davos. <sighs> Not my guy Jorah. But but I don't know. See the, the spirit of the bad batches, they're them being on was what was once considered the good team, but is now considered the bad team, but them kind of realizing, well, that's the good team, right? That's kind of part of the journey. And how they don't want to get involved. Then they see their their place in it, and then they they have to get involved. Um, they have to, you know, find a greater cause or purpose. Braun doesn't get there, but Braun would be a he doesn't, you know, he still drifts through a lot of things. I think Braun, um, and I love him. So I don't know. It might be Jamie Lannister, who didn't exactly follow that that. That journey, Brianna Tarth would be good. Brianna Tarth would be good because she's someone who is finding out who she is, becoming who she wants to be, becoming who she should be. Brianna Tarth's a great answer. I like Brianna Tarth. <sighs> but yeah, I was I was gonna say maybe Mance Raider. Tormund, Tormund Giantsbane would be okay. I wouldn't mind seeing But he and Record, they might fight. Maybe the Tormund at the end. Um, Beric Dondarrion, one eye or both, doesn't matter to me. But Jamie, Lann I, Jamie Lannister, he's kind of like in the crosshair world for me right now. I could live with something like that. You guys got your answers coming in. Um, got a great uh, a question from Modern Sketches. I'll get to that. Uh, another one here um, from Scotty. Well, two from Scotty. He says, are you looking forward to seeing Doom Part 2? 
haven't seen Dune Part 1, so uh, I'm just going to keep looking at Rebecca Ferguson's Instagram page, and that'll be my view into Dune 2, is what I'll say. Uh, what was the best show of the Hollywood Bowl you've seen? And you can't say John Williams. Game of Thrones in concert. I mean, it, yeah, it might be Game of Thrones in concert. I've seen Oasis there. That was pretty cool. But it wasn't the best of even... Of the concerts I've seen of Oasis, it wasn't the best. So I saw Cheap Trick hosted a tribute to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. A lot of great artists on it. I remember of all the artists, I remember Joan Osborne was on it. That was great. That was a fun show. That was a fun show. Uh, but yeah, honestly, yeah. Now, if I can't say John Williams, it was Raman Jawadi in uh, Game of Thrones. It's always I've seen him at the Forum and I've seen him at Hollywood Bowl. He is a rock star, and it's it's I love it. It's fantastic stuff, and you get the vibe. And this I and I've seen that. I've seen that concert pre-season eight, and I've seen it after season eight. And I almost punched someone behind me because they were anti. It wasn't even that they were anti-season eight. It, they were just like, like a song. You know, they always play, you know, images of the show to the music. You know, Lannister themes. It's Lannisters, whatever. And like something was up there, and the guy behind me was like, "Yeah, back when the show started to suck." And I'm like, "Why are you here? Hollywood Bowl ch- tickets aren't cheap." Turn around, and get the hell out. You know, like you don't just why, why, why are we like this? Why are we like this as fandoms? What do you wanted to go see Game of Thrones in concert seasons one through three or something? Like, pack up your bags, pack up your little picnic basket that you brought into for yourself and your your Crocs, and you get out out of here. Like, why? Ah, oh, I was so angry that night, so angry, but it was still a great show. Still a great show. Thank you, Scotty. You're taking me back. Um. <laughs> Got a Ghostbusters question. I'm going to get to that. Uh, Aiden says, if uh, Liam and uh, Noel ever get their shit together for union, are you going to go, oh, yeah, and you're going to tell them, uh, what are you telling the bank to convince them to give you the loan? I- I'll-, I'll steal money. I'll steal money. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the-, the-, the Liam Gallagher and John Squire album is great. Check that out. Super Science Spins got a question about concerts. We'll come back to that. Callus is a good answer for uh, going to be. Uh, he could have been Star Wars Jamie Lannister. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Uh, Ober Martell's a good one. What if his head to all armor never showed his face? Yes. Um, we, I, do, I I want. I, I have to talk about Richard uh, Lewis. Uh, Scotty says, "What celebrity death will destroy you?" Uh, I'm 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 prepared for George Lucas. Uh, knock on wood. We got a while. John Williams has lived a wonderful life. Uh, Steve Martin for me is the next one up. Paul McCartney, Ringo, George Harrison's death gutted me. Two thousand one, that gutted me. That was where I was in my life at that time. Uh, I'm always going to have my feet on uh, stable ground um, for uh, any death, but Steve Martin is an, is, is 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 one I'm, I'll I'll have to take a knee for. Um, yeah, Brian Taylor explaining, um, LA traffic map says an hour 15 right now from Hermosa to Universal Studios. Standard for that area. Yeah. <laughs> Liza Wells is not for prepare for Lucas. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not either, you know, Scotty says Eddie Van Halen, Norm MacDonald got me. Yeah. I can understand those. Uh, the George, the George Harrison one just, just, just destroyed me. Just gutted me. Just gutted me. All right. Um, 
<clears throat> Modern Sketches is this one, and they, they asked this a while ago. Uh, Modern Sketches says, I've been working on a short film, but I'm stuck on a couple of points. Do you have any tips for when you get writer's block or struggling to struggling with finishing the story? Look, I'll say this, and this sounds like bumper sticker advice. I don't necessarily believe in in, in writer's block. I don't. I know what it is. I know what people and what you are uh, referring to it as. I've experienced that. I just, I think it truly is a state of mind. It's just, um, it's not a block. It's it's just an alley you've turned down. It's a it's a fear. It's a lack of confidence. It's a, your head not clear at the moment, and it's a reminder that it's okay to walk away. John Lennon. I remember him talking about, you know, songwriting, and him just saying, "Oh, sometimes you know, you you don't you, you don't have it." I, I I don't remember where the quote was exactly, but you walk away and you put it down. You come back to it, right? It's just that simple. And I think writer's block is just you your brain telling yourself, "We can't right now clear the headspace." It'll come to you. But, uh, yeah, when you hit that stuff, um, like some of the stuff I'm working on right now, which isn't script stuff in terms of dialogue, but it's um, long-form videos and stuff. Actually, just uh, looks like I'm starting a, a new gig here in the next week. Plan out some stuff. I just say it. I speak it. I think of it. I just, I just, I just, th- what I need is there. I don't mean to get all... Listen to the wind and the wind will guide you. But that, that's kind of where I go when it comes to... Um, struggling to finish the story. And Modern Sketch says, I guess, too, I, I guess I almost don't have writer's block, but I also have story points I really like, but I can't figure out how to fit in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I think you get what I'm saying when I, you know, I don't want to be too cute or too smug with, well, writer's block doesn't really exist. Th- whatever you're experiencing is real. But I find in those moments where there's something struggling or maybe it's a joke. I'm trying to work on a bit and and you know stand up is best worked out i think on stage at times to to kind of get a feel for it but um when you're writing what comes next or what do you want to come next i find if you just pull back sometimes i literally pull back uh, it almost sounds like i'm looks like i'm praising jeebus but it's all right here and it it will flash out what i need will flash out this is why i don't work well in um 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 I, 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 I don't work well as a writing team in terms of like I don't sit across from anyone and write. I don't like that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes with some sketch writing stuff back in the day, my groundlings days, it actually um, – some people I can sit in a room together and other people I can't. Scotty, thanks for the super chat. Thanks for hanging, going to bed. Thanks for wisdom. Okay. Oh, I was just, oh man, uh, good. I, I was just going to get to Ghostbusters 84, Scotty, and I didn't want to, you know what? I don't want to break uh, Jerry's heart. Uh, I finally uh, really took a deep dive into Ghostbusters this week for this thing I'm working on. And I have, uh, you know, I never lived with it. I never watched it. I didn't watch Ghostbusters, the first one, until like two years ago, but I really took a deep dive into it this week. And I, I have so many problems with Ghostbusters 84 as a advertisement for Reagan era libertarianism. Uh, preaching against uh, big government and also uh, preaching for gentrification. <laughs> I have so many problems with Ghostbusters 84. So much. Um, it's such an acroid. Don't trust the government. Oh, my God. I have so many thoughts on them. Anyways. Jake says, I don't even know what this is referring to. You do, you can. We're all idiots. Yeah, we are. That's I'm. I'm the biggest idiot of them all. Uh, Walter Peck was right. I've been talking about it with Ken Plume. 
I've been talking about, yeah, the fact that the villain, not counting Gozer, the fact that the villain in Ghostbusters 84, and the, for a second in the video game in 2009, is, is a government official from the EPA who was doing his job. Maybe not nice. Maybe he wasn't nice about it. Maybe he was a jerk, but he was doing his job. And Aykroyd turned him into the villain. And, and the theme behind it being that if, if government gets involved with these small businesses just trying to make that – see, they're in the path of small businesses. We don't need regulations. We don't need government regulations around our businesses. The government should be concentrating on the dirty streets, which are full of undesirables and ghosts as a stand-in for a lot of things that was making that city afraid at the time. New York in the 80s, a little bit different vibe, I get, I know. Um, it's fascinating. I think Ghostbusters 84 is a fascinating study on the politics of the day and how that and how that carries on and is taken differently. He even said, please. Ghostbusters 2 is my preferred movie. The humor, humor beats are much more uh, better. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I just did notes on Ghostbusters 2 last night. Um. Yeah, JMB says, oh, yeah, I always found it weird that the EPA is a bad guy. I mean, the EPA guy, uh, uh, William Atherton, was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was doing his job at the He had no deck, a peck, had no pecker. Um, and I'm not the first, by the way, I'm not the first to think of this. Oh, we'll go into this. Uh, and and, and uh, Lou had a, Lou had a great, we were talking about writer's block, and then and here's what Lou said. Matt Mercer gave the keynote speech at PAX uh, Tabletop earlier this year and talks about getting stuck at writing a narrative. If you can find the video, it's worth watching. I probably heard Matt, Matt Mercer say this on a couch in Pasadena, Lou. I, 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 I'm sure he's not wrong, because uh, Matt is an amazing storyteller. And that would be... Um, that would be uh, uh, that was our dynamic. It's we, me, Matt, and Matt and Jack would all sit in a room. We'd come up with ideas. I'd layer in the jokes. At the time, I wasn't as good at themes. Matt Key was the the keyboard warrior. He just I don't mean that like a troll. Like he would type everything out. Mercer was the world, as 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 you all now come to know. He was he was the lore machine, and uh, our, our buddy Jack Conway, um, like an esports producer now. He was he was like a producer type. He would he was like the story editor. We had a great team. Um, JB says you know, bad faith actors in political position to get a bad government surprise. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's that's what Ackroyd would have you believe. Uh, I am not the first to think about this. Um, what caused me to do this? I don't want to give away what I'm doing. I'm working on a project for fandom right now that's leading into a Frozen Empire, and. I almost famously in my own little silly world have not spent a lot of time with Ghostbusters. Wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid, all those kind of things. And that kind of became part of my identity with schmoes. Like everyone couldn't believe that I've never seen Ghostbusters and I'm a fan of Saturday Night Live and Bill Murray is one of my favorites and Ackroyd's one of my favorites and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I love Harold Ramis because it gets, right? right? Like all good. Um, and I did, I did finally see it three, four years ago. And, you know, it was, it was like, great. Oh, cool. That's where all the references are. And, I had seen I had seen two enough on Comedy Central that I can remember some of the beats, but I know I didn't know anything was going on. But anyways, I uh, um, I uh, um, was doing the notes on this video, and I was watching it again, and I was like, "Why is the EPA the bad guy? Why is the the Environmental Protection Agency 
is the bad guy. And so I started to think about that. And then I, I, I typed something in. I was looking in some notes about, you know, Wikipedia might always have legacy and reviews and criticisms and all those kind of things. And that, that got put me down a rabbit hole where a lot of people, and I don't think, I, I, this isn't me holding the movie to flames. It's me saying the movie is so of its time. You got Harold Ramis on one side who has... Um, He's spoken eloquently. There's there's a clip of Harold Ramis out there. I think of uh, someone to put it in a video I was watching in, as part of this research. Well, Har- Harold Ramis was saying um, the thing with the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man at the end of Ghostbusters was this this idea of this ex- ex- the ex- existential dread we all face and our greatest fears um, uh, when they realize they're they're as harmless as a marshmallow man, right? That and, and that's how Harold Ramis had approached. Not necessarily the writing of the script, but just that scene and that moment, how it need it made it needed to make sense to him about, about other than just the joke of of Aykroyd as Ray Stance can't uh, you know thinks of a what a childhood memory. He wanted it to be more than that. He wanted like what does it mean? What's the why of this? And and that's where he went on that. So Ram- Ramus, I think, got that. And he let's be funny, let's be poignant, and 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 that's what he brought. Aykroyd, who's oh, I've always been a fan of Dan Aykroyd, but this is Aykroyd. This is someone who both loves authority. He's a big, giant uh, uh, cop uh, buddy. Um, he, he, you know, he, he, he's always, he's got the Ontario Police Department patch, all the stuff. He, he's, he's that guy. He, we know he's the ghost guy. We know he's the paranormal guy. And therefore, he's, he's got distrust of the government over that. Um, he's always been anti-authority. Uh, he and Belushi were the bully boys of comedy. Aykroyd famously, famously, um, I think it was after their SNL went live in New Orleans for Mardi Gras that first season, which was a disastrous uh, experiment. Um, he was upset with NBC. And I think he had maybe reason to be, to be clear. He tore apart the offices on 17, on the 17th floor, 30 Rock. Tore it apart. Uh, he was 20. He was 21. He was headstrong. He was, he was... Uh, an issue. Um, this is Akron. It is this view, and 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 you you put it up against the eighties. Reagan is is a president comes in and tries to undo every restriction known to man, and restrictions uh, being removed only in the end favor corporations. Always in the end hurt the workers. Always in the end hurt the city. But the idea around it was, hey, Reagan was one of the first to coin make America great again. And you're you're you got crime as an issue, which is a reality. You got the city is is a little grimy, um, and citizens had fear, and and the city was, uh, you know, uh, needed uh, needed a sponge bath, I guess you could say, uh, a slimer bath. But anyways, Aykroyd and all them carry that into this movie, and and I think Aykroyd brings all that into this, and the idea of that you got the ghosts out and about. These undesirables that no one wanted, uh, that they were haunting the city and they were let loose and that it was the EPA that did it. They, he undid the containment chamber because he meddled in a small business and that the, the government couldn't make all this run. The government couldn't handle their people. So we got to do it. It's, it's, it's Aykroyd's militia manifesto playing out right there in this movie that's also done for laughs and also, you know. You got Bill Murray being, uh, you know, rather problematic at times. Um, you got uh, Janosch uh, uh, Poha in the second film being rather problematic at the start. Of course, uh, there was also the time as well. 
Um, not to write that off, but this is all in the movies. I, anyways, all this to say, I'm not, this isn't like a damnation in my, my mind from uh, towards Ghostbusters 84. It's just a fascinating critical study about what it was saying at that time. And you have this ghost cop fantasy of going out and cleaning up the streets uh, that Ackroyd's putting in there. It's just, I just I can't stop thinking of it. Cannot stop thinking about it. Uh, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, Ken Plume says, if you really want it to understand, you'd be more confused by Ackroyd's head splice. Nothing but troubles and unfiltered look at his worldviews you can get. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, nothing but trouble is, has to be watched. I've seen it. I didn't see it in theaters, but, uh, I saw it. Uh, yeah. Laserbolt says, hey, original Ghostbusters is a pretty fun flick though. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's why I always go to that thing with, if someone says, you know, uh, why, why, why are movies, why does it always have to be so political now? It's always been someone's always got something to say and it goes to a lot of different spots, you know? Um, and again, this isn't that, this isn't a damnation of being Ackroyd. I've been a fan of Ackroyd all my life. Um, you know, I have not had his tequila. Apologize for that. But um, it's just fascinating. And I just don't think it was seen. I just don't think it was understood. And, and, and again, even then, it's not something that Ackroyd sat down and been, all right, Harold, I need to, I need to write a, a story on Reagan era, you know, uh, malicious <laughs> manifesto thoughts here. I don't, I don't absolutely, I absolutely don't think that's what was going on, but it, it emerges and it's there. The stuff is there. It's wild. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, so there you go. Um, J&B says Blues Brothers may be fair coming up then very anti-establishment. Yeah. I haven't seen Blues Brothers in a long time too. Aiden says the government's pretty squirrely. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. I, yeah, sorry. I went off on a tangent. It's just been in my, um, it's been in my, um, yeah, it's what I, yeah, it's, it's in, it's been in my four center mind to talk about Ghostbusters. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get to it on four center one day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I finally saw afterlife. You know, I've seen I went from not seeing any of these films really till this past week. I've seen them all like three times. And Afterlife was uh, I liked it. It got me emotional. It has a lot of good themes about, you know, the idea of the past and and don't go chasing ghosts is what Ackroyd says at one point, which is has to do with everything about the past and how much our relationship is to nostalgia. But at the same time, the film is, is awash with nostalgia in a way that's, you know. Uh, I understand uh, this makes the movie not seem as, as deep as, as maybe they wanted it to be. So fascinating text. Anyways, moving on. Um, so uh, to Ken's question that started all this, who's my favorite Ghostbuster? You know, I would have said Egon, but then he, he you know, was a deadbeat dad for so long. That was, that was problematic. It might, it might still be. Uh, no, you know what it is? My favorite Ghostbusters, Winston Zedmore. Winston is the guy. And it's a good thing 
that, you know, Winston was featured in all the marketing for Ghostbusters 84, right? Good thing he was considered an equal part of the team. And that the uh, blue-collar working man who did not even get a uniform to the end of the movie uh, and was treated as just, he, he's, he just wants to get paid. He'll believe in anything. As he drives you around, good thing he was featured in all the marketing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Winston guy. Does the secretary count? Yeah, Janine counts. Janine's got any pots, man. Uh, not Winston Marshall. But but Winston's a good man, too. Uh, all right. Uh, I got to get to Richard Lewis. I got about 10 minutes left here. Super Science Spin says, what is your, what was my first concert? My first concert. Uh, my first concert was um, the California Mid-State Fair which is uh, up in Atascadero, California, I believe. Or Paso Robles. No, I think it was Atascadero. And uh, it was Debbie Boone. You light up my life. Debbie Boone was my first concert. Not by my choice, uh, but I do uh, remember going. And I think the next night we saw, and I've mentioned this on Force Center before, the guy who played... uh, the guy who played um, Carmine on Laverne and Shirley, he also would perform constantly, like had a music career. And we saw him like the next night <sighs> or maybe it was next year. I don't know my memory, but it was all around the same time. You know how memory goes. Memory does. Uh, and I just remember thinking, I've seen a celebrity. This is like my first celebrity sighting too. Debbie Boone on one night. Carmine Ragusa there. Yeah, um, the character, right? Yeah, uh, and then uh, seeing Carmine the next night because we'd watch Happy Days. So it was just like on TV, now on that stage, that is a human I'm seeing right there as he performs show tunes. But Debbie Boone was my first concert. You light up my life. All right, Super Chat from Jared. More for Napsock and Plume DS9. I need you to talk about why Cisco is a bad father. I mean, I know who Cisco is, both the uh, DS9 character and the musical performer. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that fight. Alan Smithy says, I modeled my life after Peter Vinkman. Pete Vinkman. I, I mean, look. Look. There's some great traits that Pete Vinkman brings to the table. His unrelenting harassment of women <laughs> might not be the trait, but Alan, I've met Alan Smith. He's not that. He did not harass me at all. Um, but yeah, you need all of them though, right? You got the Egon, the brains, right? You got, what do they say? Ray the heart. What, what's Pete? The spirit. And Winston, I don't know. I call him the foundation. Lewis Tully, he counts, right? I do enjoy Lewis Tully. Rick Moranis improving that party for his fourth anniversary of being an accountant uh, was uh, was uh, fascinating to me. Loved it. Oh, Cisco debates raging now in chat. All right. Um, more questions? Bring them in here. I'm here for uh, a little bit more, a little bit louder now, a little bit louder now. But I do, uh, I, you know, I, uh, Richard Lewis passed away today. 
And I'm a big fan of Kirby Enthusiasm. It's, it's probably one of my all-time favorite shows. I love Larry David. I love J.B. Smoove, um, Susie Essman. Uh, and I absolutely love Richard Lewis and, and, and his health over the last couple of years. Uh, was failing. He was battling a lot of things. And Parkinson's disease uh, was one of the things uh, in, in the last years of his life. Um, but I, I um, beyond that, I don't think I've talked much about Richard Lewis as a stand-up comic and what he meant for me. Um, Richard was one of those comics that, in an era of observational humor, coming out of the late 70s scene, folks like Seinfeld uh, setting that template, Richard was, it's always him. And that could sometimes be a trap. I sometimes want to move to more observational humor. You don't want to use your time on stage as uh, therapy and only therapy and not make it funny and not make it have purpose and not make it be poignant. But Richard was a master of that. And there's a couple of his specials uh, from the late 80s uh, into the 90s, but there's the big one at the, uh, I think it's his first big one that was taped at the uh, Improv, right? Uh, which is a stage I have had the pleasure to perform on. And... It, I have it on DVD, and when I was, you know, you want when you're trying to become a comic, you're getting started. You're definitely going to think about who you are as a performer, and sometimes you can lean in. You don't want to copy anyone, but I just loved, you know, his, his page of notes and all that kind of stuff um, were great too, and part of the trademark. But his energy, and I can't keep up with that energy. That was maybe one of my mistakes earlier on, as I thought maybe I could have the energy of Richard Lewis or, or Lewis Black. I don't have that energy, but and you, and you got to find what's yours. But man, just his, watching him on stairs uh, on stage and just watching him take all the darkest corners of his life and and turn it into comedy gold, turn it into timeless gold. And it's not even about the bits. It's not like he has a famous bit other than you know blanket hell or blank from hell all that kind of stuff. It was just I I was always drawn in by who he was and 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 the and. and you know, Pryor was obviously a legend, and Pryor was spectacular at, you know, nearly burns his head off in a, in a crack cocaine explosion, and he's going to turn that story into a timeless bit. Um, but Lewis was like that for me with the emotions, and there's someone like me who's, who's uh, getting a bit awash in depression and, and wants to talk about it and wants to have my comedy have some purpose. Not necessarily mean something to everyone, but I wanted to have some sort of purpose. I think the danger is to just have the purpose be cleaning and purging from your own soul. You don't stop there. You keep going. You try to entertain. You try to connect. Uh, Richard Lewis was that for me. He was uh, – I studied him very hard for uh, a number of years in the early 2000s. Went to, I remember going to Best Buy, picked up that one special. Uh, may have picked up two, quite frankly. Uh, I think I did. And just sat there studying him. Uh, and And – uh, a lot of people go to Robin Hood Men in Tights or anything but love his series with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't have, I loved all that too, but I don't have as many memories of that as to do with his stand up. And then just who he became and what the amped up version was of him on Kirby Enthusiasm. Watching him and Larry uh, go at each other, going back the first episode, the first couple episodes of uh, Kirby Enthusiasm from season one or 2000, him and Larry going at each other. And they were lifelong friends, born three days apart in the same hospital. It's some of my favorite comedy, uh, and I would love to find a way to do that on a show or on a stage. Um, 
Uh, so, yeah, absolutely uh, going to miss Richard Lewis. Uh, hopefully, um, I hope there's a couple more scenes for them. I don't, I don't know the story. I, I know they finished filming. It's all done. The final season's wrapped. But uh, uh, it'd be great to see him. And uh, he had powered through, you know, he was he was working hard to get back to that show. It meant so much to him. He had back injuries, even outside the parks and stuff. He just his health had gone and he'd been sober for so long, which was an inspiration to others. So anyways, uh, thank you, Mr. Lewis. Thank you, Richard, uh, for uh, uh, helping in the large part inspire me during a very specific time in my life to get up on stage. Love that. Love that. Uh, sad, but love that. Also, yeah, Virgil passed away for you wrestling fans. Uh, uh, wrestling superstar Virgil, man, a man who uh, w- rose above a meme, uh, and one of my, uh, you know, uh, one of my memories as a kid of, uh, you know, <laughs> the sort of po- problematic story of Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man and his, uh, you know, shall we say assistant, uh, Virgil, uh, obviously I know poking fun at, uh, Dusty Rhodes, but, uh, um, and then later when he goes to WCW and is called Vincent, I love that too. But um, yeah, man, a lot of positive memories from my childhood, my youth of Virgil turning on the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. All right, I think that's it. I'm going to go. i got to get some work done. I'm going to be spending the evening diving into the real Ghostbusters. Jared says, my Mount Rushmore of wrestling. <sighs> that's tough. Roddy Piper is up there for me, but that's like a personal Mount Rushmore. So you got to look at the ones who kind of define the business in different eras. You know, for me, that includes like Gorgeous George, includes superstar Billy Graham. It does include at times. It's tough for me to say sometimes. I think he's a, he's a problematic individual, but Hulk Hogan. Um, but then my favorites like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and Undertaker. And, uh, yeah, but, but Steve Austin and The Rock and... I think there's a ton out there now. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll think about that. It changes. It changes. Thank you all for listening. To those on the podcast, I'm sorry at the beginning uh, of the episode. I, um, I you know, if, if it, I don't want it to sound negative that I said my listener, my retention uh, on the podcast side drops. I get it. I get it. I'll have some more po- regular podcasting program coming your way. A new, uh, uh, our biggest win. Uh, is coming soon. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there you go. All right, we're out of here. Tell your friends about what we do every Wednesday. We hang out. Go check out the Four Center Deep Dive of The Bad Batch Season 3, Episode 4. We uh, really had a lot of fun with that episode. We loved it. Also, oh, don't forget, there's still time. I think you got a couple days. Still time to go to stbaldricks.org, participants slash Jeff Saunders. SaintBaldrix.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders and donate to our buddy Jeff Saunders, Hillbilly Scribs, as he helps raise money and awareness and a lot more for children and childhood cancers and those with it, those who have survived it and honoring those that have gone before. It's great work. It's some of my favorite stuff out there to support. So stbaldricks.org slash participants slash Jeff Saunders is where you can go support our buddy. Uh, A couple days left in that. All right. All right. Hey, Twin checking in on Twitch. Thanks for those watching on Twitch. Thanks for those watching on Facebook. Thanks to all of you. Bye-bye.